guys. Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Uh, we are joined here today, special interview show, um, joined by Chili, uh, noted Twitter sports personality, Clemson fan, internet commenter, and uh, original co-founder of the Danny Ford is God and later Block C Clemson blogs. Uh, Chili, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. Good talking to you. Hello, everybody out there on the internet. Uh, thank you for joining us. Actually, Chili, you, um, as it turns out, you just moved back. You've been living in exile, basically Clemson exile, uh, working overseas for the, the past few years, halfway around the world in Asia, Southeast Asia. Um, how's that been following the Tigers and trying to keep up with college football out there? Well, it's a lot more difficult. I lived in uh, Shanghai for three years and then in, um, in Yangon and Myanmar, otherwise known as Rangoon, Burma, for two years. And um, Shanghai wasn't that difficult because it's uh, uh, in terms of finding a place, but you're 12 hours ahead. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a, you know, they have like a chains of sports bars out there. There's like a couple hundred thousand English speakers there. So there's a, a pretty good uh, crowd for college football. And, um, you know, you used to figure out what games are on at the sports bar. And, you know, if it's a, a noon game, that's easy, man. You go to the sports bar at midnight, you know, yeah. have a beer and watch a game. If it's a 3.30 one, man, that's tough. I'd rather just, like, sit at home in my little Chinese apartment and use one of the uh, not super legal uh, streaming sites. Right. And, um, VPN. Yeah. And then if, if it's a 7 o'clock game, you got some, uh, you know, Bloody Marys in the morning out in public watching the game. But uh, it's a lot, it was a lot of fun. Like People show up wearing their jerseys and stuff like that, and uh, it's a cool environment. And then there's always – British people in there asking to, to turn it to uh, soccer, and, and that's nobody likes that. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, that's cool. Well, welcome back to the states, basically, where we're on a little more of a normal time zone schedule. Um, yeah, I'm happy to be back. I was waiting until Clemson finally beat South Carolina again before I could return. I didn't want to hang my head in shame. Understood. Um, since you've been back in basically in the region um, in the southeast. What's the sentiment like? What are you feeling from like a Clemson culture standpoint, or even a South Carolina? Um, what's the atmosphere in your in your well, eyes? Yeah, well, everything is hugely different. It, just life in general, but the dynamic between the two teams has really changed. Uh, when I left in 2010, and then came back for a little bit, back again 2011. You know, Carolina was obviously starting to have their best years with Spurrier, so yep. there was like. There was that um, never-ending optimism from from uh, Carolina fans, which you know Clemson fans are fully guilty of too. But uh, you know it wasn't this absolute like superiority complex that they suddenly uh, borrowed from us, you know. And um, it's tough to deal with. Like the Carolina fans actually walking around with bravado and feeling proud about themselves—it's disgusting. Yeah, normally it's you know super. Uh either inferiority complex or just like not even acknowledging Clemson's, um, you know, legitimacy, if you will. And, um, it seems like they're, they still think they have our number despite last year's game. Um, so uh, yeah, I've already heard people saying that Clemson's, uh, not going to take them seriously because Spurrier's not there anymore. And, uh, you know, that's whatever. I hope we beat them by a hundred. We will see. We're hoping for another 63, 17. Here on the podcast, but um, yeah, anytime that was uh, that was fun to go to. Absolutely, I guess looking across, you've probably been able to watch a few more games nationally now, um, without kind of picking your battles with one or two games a week. Um, what are you yeah, seeing in question. terms of the? 
the national landscape. Like, you know, we don't need you to do like a predict, like where's your top five, et cetera. But, um, you know, of, of Clemson's contemporaries in the top 10, like who have you been most impressed with? You know, where do you see the pecking order at this point? Well, I guess, uh, starting in the ACC, um, I wasn't sure what to think of Florida State this year. Uh, I think they started, at least in my mind, uh, they started maybe a little bit slow, but then they really uh, built up and, and had some super impressive uh, performances. You know, um, <clears throat> against Louisville last week, they, they again, maybe a, a microcosm of their season, they started kind of slow and then ended up, you know, teeing off on them towards the end. So Florida State is is, a lot, is better than I thought they would be. I thought they'd be pretty good. I think they're a really formidable challenge for Clemson. Although yeah, I, 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 oh, go ahead. I think our strengths line up with, with theirs uh, favorably for Clemson. You know, I think we definitely have the defensive personnel to, to do as well as anybody can against Cook. So that's, that's uh, a sign for some optimism there. Yeah, I was going to say, this is kind of the one year you almost didn't want to play them later in the year. Like, I think bringing in every Golson, new quarterback, um, Dalvin Cook did and didn't practice a bit. He was a little banged up the first couple of weeks. Kind of one of those years we wish we'd play them in September um, versus like November prime of the season. But I think for us, you know, I agree with you in stacking up well with our our defense, the middle middle part of our defense, um, controlling the line of scrimmage. I, I like our chances there, and it, it's going to help us out just in terms of national clout to play what we hope is still an undefeated Florida State and have that like top ten, top five matchup. Uh, with those guys absolutely and there was a rumor going around um this week uh on mainly twitter which you know you can always trust Uh, the veracity of it's made on twitter uh but somebody was saying that he had uh injured his knee and maybe out for the season and that's been proven false but there are still sort of echoes that maybe he is continuing to deal with a tweaked hamstring personally i I hope he doesn't because i love seeing him have an amazing season uh, it hurts a little bit that he was uh, once, uh, I believe, committed to Clemson. But anyway, I'd like to have him healthy for the Clemson game because I want Clemson to beat Florida State with their best personnel. You know, yeah. if we make excuses, yeah, no, not at all, not at all. But other strong teams uh, outside the ACC, obviously, there's the SEC. Um, there was a thing on ESPN.com uh, today uh, by Mark Schlabach, however you pronounce that, uh, saying that uh, Alabama would run the table and win the national championship again this year. And I think maybe stuff like that's part of the reason that uh, ESPN is not taken as seriously as it was anymore, other than their general uh, yeah. SEC agenda, which they're um, the best conference. They're partners with ESPN, so it's hard to argue against. And, they're, you know, unfortunate for these folks, but they're starting to lay people off. I think it's a, a changing landscape, and you might start to see college football fans who are sick of the, the SEC uh, constant, you know, pandering, you know, moving away from that. Well, yeah, in their pocket. I get that, and I definitely get tired of it a little bit. I think the really like, look, I like Paul Feinbaum, but like when they hired him, it was like, man, you just, you know, it's it's uh, it's the Goebbels of the SEC. Um, but uh, <laughs> exactly. I, I do, yeah. Um, but I think with Alabama, obviously they're a great team, and with probably the best coach in the country if not you know hands down the best but you know they lost sorry they lost to an Ole Miss team that's gone out to you know sort of uh, uh, shoot itself in the foot for a couple games after that so that that loss is not even that um, that impressive anymore 
Uh, and I think that, that uh, well, people everywhere, not, I'm not going to lay it against the media, but they want to have the one dominant SEC team. So as soon as Ole Miss beat uh, Alabama, it was Ole Miss, you know? Yep. And then, then Georgia had the opportunity to, to beat Alabama. Alabama steamrolled them. And then, you know, Florida, uh, you know, Florida up and uh, beat Ole Miss again. And, and all of a sudden, Florida is supposed to be the top in the country. And I, I think they're very, very good teams. I don't see one of them. Uh, I guess if I had to pick one, I'd go for LSU. Uh, yeah, but uh, I don't. I don't see like an overwhelmingly um, dominant team like like we've seen with Alabama the past few years. Not to say that the teams at the top of the SEC are not really, really good. Yeah, and I think it, um, fans who are maybe bigger fans of a team in another conference or just maybe trying to be less biased across the landscape. I mean, it is a distinct possibility that you've got some undefeated schools from three or four other conferences. And then the committee is going to be deciding between the three or four undefeated and a, let's say one loss Alabama, maybe a one loss LSU. Um, or, you know, let's say Florida can keep it together and they win the, the East and they win the SEC championship. I mean, the prospect in this in 2015 with the SEC network, with Alabama's long run, with the SEC winning X number of championships in a row, the prospect that they could be left out of a 14 playoff just gives me uh, so much joy that that is a possibility in this day and age. Um, you know, not to be an SEC hater, but I just think with the amount of hype, I, I do think there's just a much more level playing field. There's parity nationally. And you know, I'm, I'm not necessarily hoping for that. I just want Clemson to make it through. Let's play who we get. Uh, let's beat the best. That's fine. But um, I don't know. It's interesting that those all those schools could be left out. Yeah, if, if there's two SEC teams in and, let's say, against all odds, Clemson is undefeated and doesn't make it, I'll light something on fire at my house or neighbor's house or a couch or maybe a vehicle or an old lady or a small child. But I, I don't think I would handle that very well. Uh, again, I think that's that. I, I think that we will never have a four-team playoff without an SEC team for as long as we have a four-team playoff. Uh, I think it'll pretty quickly in the next two, three years go to an eight-team playoff, and then you're going to have two, you know, maybe even three teams from one conference. But at least you're going to get in that undefeated team that is really deserving of the spot, but that might get left out of a four-team playoff. Yeah, you'll probably see a world there where they may not automatically qualify the winners of a conference championship, but you'd be hard-pressed to leave them out. So what does that leave if there's a Power 5 conference? That pretty much leaves three at-large spots, and Notre yeah. Dame's going to be in that conversation all the time. Um, I don't know if you want to, if you have any thoughts on Notre Dame. but um, I think they you know, be excluded from the playoff until they join a damn conference. You know, None of this uh, half-ass ACC stuff. That should have been a conference win for Clemson. You know, and they're mm -hmm. pretending like they're too good for a conference. I mean, they're not. I know it's a money issue, but, you know, get over it, Notre Dame. You're not that hot, you know? I mean. Yeah, indeed. And I think if ACC gets its act together with a television network, a bigger contract, I'm not sure when ND's NBC contract's up, but agree fully. You know, let's, let's make them an actual citizen of a conference. Yeah, I, I think make them a citizen of the conference if they're willing uh, or just demand it of them or tell them to get lost. Uh, because I don't, you know, ACC, sure, maybe they benefit from the ratings from Notre Dame, but if, as long as Notre Dame is still uh, proudly independent, you know, ACC can't really tack their own 
uh, Notre Dame success onto their own. It's a separate brand. Um, and then that's that's an issue there. So I, I think exclude them from the playoff until they join a conference. Sorry. Yep. Cool. Well, um, any other any other thoughts on teams? Maybe maybe out west. Maybe in the big Big Twelve. Uh, you know, I haven't I haven't gotten to watch as many Big Twelve games as perhaps I would like. Um, teams that stick out in my mind outside of the southeast are, of course, Baylor, which I think they're an incredibly dominant team offensively. They've really played, uh, you know, garbage teams, but they've done it very impressively, um, and. I'm a little bit upset at the, uh, the sort of blase arrogance of Ohio State. You know, they came in ranked number one. They've really not played anybody, and they've barely won the games. It's sort of like you see, um, you know, in basketball, North Carolina does that a lot, uh, where they'll just go through the season, like, doing okay, and then as soon as, the, is it, as, soon as it's the postseason, they actually start to play to their potential. So I, I, I guess I sort of agree with, with Buckeye uh, defenders saying, they still should be number one. They're just playing down to their competition. But at the same time, great teams blow out the competition, to, blow out the low-level competition too, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm, playing like not a that I'm, Yeah, I, 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 have, I have no doubt they're a very good team. I think they could, uh, they could possibly win it all, but I'll pretty much bet everything I have against them losing the first playoff game. Yeah, I think Although the mean, Michigan knows a lot about them. Mm-hmm. I think when you you got that gear, we we know we know how state has that level of play. We saw it against Virginia Tech for three quarters of that game. Um, but when you sort of do play down to your opponents, are you and you take your foot off the gas a bit? Is it harder to kind of regain that grip? And let's say they go down to Michigan State by two touchdowns, they're they're in a grind fest with Michigan, um, and they just can't really move the ball. Like, how are they going to find that? Like, find their talent, find their ability to win. Um, I'm not saying blowing out like Rutgers is going to help them do that either, but yeah, it's just they don't seem very like champion like. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I guess I have some of those concerns with Clemson in terms of uh, uh, you know, whereas maybe Ohio State starts slow, uh, like we saw against uh, Virginia Tech. Um, you know, Clemson starts fast and then really slows down and takes their. Uh, their foot off the pedal, like you said, with their offense. Like their offensive play calling gets really, you know, really kind of a uh, – what am I looking for? The offensive play calling gets gets a little um, over, overly cautious. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Mm-hmm. that one. Yeah, I mean, it was nice to see, I suppose, against um, Boston College and maybe a little more Georgia Tech, like maintain some of that intensity, but um, – no, I, I I see where you're coming from with that, and certainly in the, I was at that Notre Dame game. Um, man, it was it was tense down to the wire there. But um, you know, I, I I do feel like maybe I don't know if I would say we're playing down to our opponents, um, maybe to the same degree as Ohio State. But um, I don't know if that's I don't think that's what you're applying either. But yeah, it would be nice to just see. We've talked about it a little here on the on the podcast. Like, let's see a complete game from Clemson, like four quarters bring the intensity yeah. all the time and um, just really like exert our will and get, get our playmakers going. Like, I mean, we've seen flashes of it from all aspects of the team, but can we put it together? It's a big question. I think we're going to have to, yeah. especially the goals. Uh, yeah. And, and also the way that, um, that Notre Dame chipped away on us with those, uh, 
those kind of short passing routes kind of in the middle and just really, I mean, that was a, that was a reaction to us kind of sealing up the rest of the field. So you kind of have to, you know, take that with a grain of salt and understand that, that, right. um, that's not all they're going to get that night, but they did pretty, pretty, pretty damn well with that. And, um, that, I guess I have some concerns uh, going into the Miami game in terms of their passing attack because it will be uh, Brad Kyle will be by far the best uh, quarterback we'll see. What are your thoughts on Miami? Have you kind of read up on them at all? Um, done any any scouting? Uh, yeah, well, you know, I watched I watched the Florida State game and I was pretty impressed by Miami. Um, I think they're uh, Miami has always intrigued me because. You know, when I was younger, I, I went to some Miami games here and there, kind of when they were the uh, the powerhouse teams um, yep. uh, of our generation as opposed to the 80s. Um, and the ability they have, in theory, to recruit and, uh, and all that is pretty remarkable. And also the fact that they have just an absolute human garbage fan base, just a uh, gold chain jort and grown men wearing jerseys that type of people it's sort of um and then none of them show up for games but they still want to fire their coach which just i sort of agree with them there it's kind of a conundrum there's so much there but the fans really don't care it's almost like any professional sports team in atlanta yeah it's totally true and occasionally they'll put a good product on the field but don't seem to strike up loyalty in their fans at least from an attendance standpoint and it actually is crazy to me i mean i've been to I went to that stadium. I went to a bowl game that will not be mentioned, um, and it's mm. far enough out. It's mm. far enough outside town, and it's far enough away from their campus. I understand a little bit why attendance is down, and I think that's been the case since they tore down the Orange Bowl in like the late '90s or something like that. But uh, anyway, it's crazy. I feel like you know, if the Marlins can get a new stadium downtown, I don't, I don't know. Seems like Miami has enough donors to be able to put something together there, but it's a pretty pathetic atmosphere. Yeah, and I, I really want uh, Miami to be a good team uh, to improve the overall look of the ACC. I mean, when, when the conference brought them in, it was kind of like, all right, look at you know we Miami and, and Virginia Tech, you know these two great teams, and now you know Miami has has seriously uh, underperformed, and uh, Virginia Tech has been has been steady but not great. Uh, but I think we'll, I'm very interested in who Miami might hire after they fire uh, Al Golden, uh, you know, because I take all my coaching prognostications from planes with uh, banners flying over stadiums. Um, I mean, especially in Miami, those seem to be, you know, prolific. Um, well, that is their so. preferred uh, means of communication. You know, it's, that was really the first Twitter. Indeed. Smaller character accounts, too. Yeah, well, you you got to pay for those banners, man. I feel like we may be seeing a coaching change happen in, in Blacksburg as well in the next couple of years. Um, we'll see if, if um, Frank Beamer goes out more like a Bobby Bowden, hopefully not like a Joe Paterno, um, or a bit more like a Steve Spurrier, um, where it's sort of unceremonious, kind of a quick departure. Yeah, I think that's um, – the, but I think the Florida State case uh, kind of showed um, – maybe Virginia Tech's athletic department, how not to handle something. Uh, mm -hmm. Admittedly, you know, Bobby was going to hang on till the very end, but he really was kind of dumped unceremoniously. And Florida State fans, a lot of them were pretty, uh, pretty crappy towards him at the end. Um, but you can't say that, that it, it was a mistake uh, getting rid of him because they got, uh, 
they got Jimbo down there. Um, yep. I think, I guess just off the top of my head, I figure Bud Foster would take over for him. You know, he's long been uh, rumored for other coaching jobs, but hasn't taken them. And he seems like a perfect fit there, you know? Yeah. I think it's strictly a matter of what's, what's Beamer want to do. Um, I don't know if I see him coaching anywhere else, but you, you just don't know if he. Yeah. I don't know. Wanna... I think he'll retire, retire after the end of this year or, or next year. I think he'll get out of the way and let somebody else do it, but he won't up and retire in the middle of the season like like uh, some visor-wearing uh, asshole we know. Um, uh, but, but Miami, you know, like I was saying earlier, I am concerned about their passing attack. Uh, Brad Kaya, if you look at his numbers, they're really good. And uh, he performed quite well against Florida State. He actually stacks up pretty well against Deshaun Watson. And uh, he and Watson were also uh, friends at one of the uh, elite, uh, was it, I think it the Elite 11 uh, quarterback camp. So they actually know each other. So I think that's an interesting storyline going into that game. Um, the line, no, sorry, the um, the line for that game opened at just Clemson minus three and, and quickly moved to Clemson minus seven. Uh, so I tend to sort of agree with maybe minus three, thinking it'll be a closer game uh, than than the money is saying. Um, I think it'll be a high scoring game. I think the uh, the over under is fifty six. 56 points, which I think is maybe it was 65. I don't know. I, I can't read all the time, but I, I think it'll be a relatively high scoring game. Yeah, I do too. And um, we've seen Miami's defense be susceptible in spots, um, not necessarily play a complete game, shutting down any, any of the other ACC offenses that um, have not been that great. I think Nebraska came back and put up a ton of points on them late um, to come back and yeah. force it to overtime. Um, I don't, you know, we didn't see Florida State have too great a, a game against them. So it seems like, you know, if they can do anything right, it's potentially stopping the run. And Dalvin Cook didn't exactly, you know, go off that game. So uh, we'll see. I, I'd like to see Clemson ride the Wayne train this game, but that may not be possible. So it could be a, you know, an air them out, shoot them out type game. Um, yeah, I think definitely could be that, that possibility. I think their passing attack and their, we- their multiple weapons. Um, in terms of the receivers is going to uh, be a real test for Clemson. And I think that, uh, you know, I think their, their defense is, uh, is not bad. And I think that'll, that'll cause Clemson some problems, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm, ex- I'm slightly nervous about this one to be honest with you, but I'm nervous about every game now that Clemson's under, I can't handle this. No, for sure. Even, I mean, starting with Louis- the Louisville game and I don't think the nerves have tensed or have uh, loosened up, even against, you know, Georgia Tech, even against Boston College. I mean, felt a little more confident going into BC. But, um, you know, I, I would like to see a definitive win here. We're hoping for the best. And um, I think a 3.30 start, you know, that's good for us. I'm sorry, it's a noon start. Um, I, I don't know. It's I mean, a noon start. It's one of those sleeper games, man. It's, it's a good point. Um, that, I'm sorry, the NC State game was just scheduled as 3.30 out there. But, um yeah, I mean, we'll see, you know, if Clemson can get up for, for a noon game on the road. It's only our second road game of the year. Um, you know, and it's not going to be a crazy hostile environment, but, you know, it's, we won't have the energy of Death Valley to support these guys. I'm, I'm hopeful. No, there'll be, there'll be nobody there. It'll be, yeah. you know, empty. You know, all of Miami fans will be out roller skating on the, on the beach side. Um, right. I am, you know, I did read uh, this week that um, – that Miami quarterback uh, 
Brad Kaya's mom is Felicia from Friday. Do you remember the scene where she's trying to bum a smoke and uh, uh, the use of uh, uh, Chris Tucker's car? You know, and then then uh, Ice Cube famously tells her, you know, buy Felicia. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really hope that uh, Bullware can maybe work that into a, a post sack uh, trash talking against him. It's too perfect. I'm sure it wouldn't be the first time. It, it wouldn't. Hopefully, the third third or fourth sack, he can he can slip that one in. Um, and I really think once he gets to the fifth and sixth sacks, it'll just be more personal. You know, if Brad has any cousins or maybe a, a little sister, he'll really start going. Uh, down the family tree, you know, and then when we get into the double digit sacks, it'll just, by then he'll just be saying nice things to him to make him feel better. Yeah. Uh, just con- Yeah. You know, just saying, Hey, you crumple on the ground, you know, real good. Uh, and that's totally realistic. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just keep, keeping things in perspective here as a Clemson fan. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm with you on the nervousness about games. You know, uh, I, I've been, following most of the Clemson games since I've been overseas, not all of them uh, live. You know, that's just, that's just what it is. I can't always stay up all night on a, on a Saturday. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the era in which I watched the most games was the era in which uh, that term that I will not use was coined, the one that, uh, that Dabo teed off on, and I will not use that term. But, uh, yeah, I'm still a little scared about that. It's true, and um, you know we won't reference it either. But I feel like I mean, at first I want to ask you, as as the coiner of the dabometer, or as the creator of the dabometer, um, for those fans yeah. who were not regular visitors of Block C, um, you guys put up basically a think of it as a quadrant or like a you know a, a, a graph of certain moments in Clemson you know recent history where where would that rate on the dabometer, if you will. And um, where would you put his most recent rants, I guess, on a dabometer, if you had to say? I mean, he's so good at ranting. It is, um, it, you know, if, if you've ever been to like a, a country church, uh, every once in a while they'll, they'll uh, hand the microphone to, to uh, maybe a, a, let's call it a special uh, person, um, you know, special needs or otherwise unique individuals start to start kind of talking and you really you never know where it's going to go and you're really kind of scared even though you know they're loving life and uh you don't know what's going to happen next so that that's what it's like watching them every time mixed with a little bit of uh of ricky bobby you know the sort of uh, i don't know what to do with my hands that, that there's that vibe to it every time that just happened yeah yeah exactly um I, I I loved the rant after Notre Dame. Uh, I was watching. I was so nervous my satellite was going to drop out. I had a streaming feed on my computer, uh, and also was watching the game on TV. And you know they cut to ESPN during his rant. Yeah, I went back uh, and rewatched it. Um, yeah. That was that was all over Twitter also, and those dudes were basically picking their nose. That's incredible. I mean, it was hysterical. And also that little moment with those two guys completely ignoring each other and on their iPads was, yeah. was very telling. That spoke a lot for that. But uh, TigerNet immediately, which I've made fun of for a long time, uh, TigerNet immediately blamed uh, blamed it on the uh, liberal, godless media for cutting away from him as soon as he mentioned God. Um, <laughs> which, that's, you know, God bless TigerNet. They are. Yeah, yeah. It's a constant people. source of entertainment and 
things like Tiger Net, now that I'm getting back more into the, the day-to-day minutia of sports after being back in the country, I, you know, I'm kind of thinking about starting some kind of a website or, you know, hell, even if it's like a Tumblr or something, just because some of these nuggets are too good to pass up. And uh, also the um, Dabo's new thing is bring your own energy. You know, he had bring your own guts after the Notre Dame game. And, uh, you know, he's really trying to work this series of bumper stickers out. Yeah, um, I think we need to buy some domains. Uh, at this point, we might as well see what, what's out there with that, the whole alphabet. Um, yeah, yeah. He said about Miami, uh, you, need to, you need to BYOE, bring your own energy. But, um, you know, last I heard, you can buy energy by the gram down in Miami. <laughs> Indeed. Um, well, hey, Chili, thank you for spending the time um real quick before we go do you have a score prediction at all for this miami game and um eager to hear what your thoughts are yeah i'll say uh clemson 37 miami 34 yeah we'll go with that um in uh five overtimes no it, yeah 37 34 clemson i i'm um i'll still predict clemson to uh to take it i'll be setting up my command center with my uh diamond mountain dew beef jerky watching the game on saturday tweeting it uh, uh at hey it's chili so so check it out yeah we'll definitely get a link out there um appreciate you coming on and your game for it we'd love to have you back on later in the year hear what you've been been thinking about clemson football and the rest of the college football landscape oh, yeah, man. excellent well uh, thanks a lot and um everybody we will have our miami preview up Go Tigers. Yeah, man. Thanks for that. Cheers. All right. Go Tigers. See you, bud.